face-to-face, a constant turning to, a constant resting in him. It, it actually suggests for me they had a lifetime of intimacy, relationship, obedience and friendship. Yeah, that's, that's what they had. And, and here's what I think. God is so in love with you and I, like I'm to- to- talking totally in love with you and I. He's so in love with you and I, so happy with us. We know that because he so loved us that he sent his son to restore relationship with him so that we could be in relationship with him again. So when I look at Enoch and Noah, thinking about that God so loves us and looking at everything that we've talked about over these last few weeks and months, then I think this, that he wants to build and he wants to cultivate a friendship with us so deep and rich, get this, that he can't bear to be separated from us. That's an awesome thought. God can't bear to be separated from you. He wants to be with you every moment of every day, wherever you go. When you're in bed, when you're in the shower, when you're in the bath, when you're in the toilet, when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're driving, when you're arguing, when you're drinking coffee, when you're drinking tea, when you're eating, when you're vomiting, when you're sick, when you're not sick, when you're getting married, not getting married. Getting... He wants to be with you every single moment of every single day. Yeah. And he loves us so much that we can dig the depths of relationship like Enoch and Noah that God is so pleased with us that the thought of being separated from you just goes, oh, that's just too much, angels. I just love these guys way too much. Now, this is for someone here today. That I really believe this is for someone here today. Being intimate with Father God, this intimacy, it's not just something that's reserved for some far-off distant date when we die. Yeah? <laughs> And then when we go home to him, it's something that you and I can enjoy right now. Yeah? Not just the knowledge. Not just I know, that he, I know that he loves me. I don't actually ever feel it. I've never really experienced it. I just know it because it says it. How boring is that? Wow. See, like I'm being totally honest. How boring is that? Could you imagine if I knew that my wife loved me but I never experienced it? <laughs> I'm like, it's the things I'd miss out on. Like, like, you know, like none of that. Like, it's, it's a heart thing. The relationship with Father God is a heart thing, yeah? He speaks to us in our hearts. He grabs hold of our imagination, yeah? Now, I, I did say that one of the Lord's primary goals for our life is that we would be a people of rest, yeah? People that would just rest in him, that would just know that he's God. So if that's true, there's another side of the coin that says that then, then we need to be aware that the enemy is going to do anything and everything in our lives to make sure that never happens. Yeah? Anything and everything to make sure you never pick up the shovel to dig a deeper level of intimacy with God. Yeah? That's why it says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to only to steal, kill and destroy. He comes that we might have life and have it to the full, but the enemy comes to steal it and to destroy it. So we need to, somewhere in this for you and I, because we're children and as children, we, we start off, we can't even look after ourselves. Babies can't look after ourselves. You know, the pups that Coco, our little make-believe dog had, couldn't, can't look after themselves. Seriously, you can't. Mother does everything. Mother feeds them, washes them, cleans them, 
cleans up after them, turns them over, does all sorts. Like they can't do, that's us when we first come to the Lord, really. We can't do anything for ourselves. We're reliant upon people. We're reliant upon the Holy Spirit. And as we grow, we learn, yeah? We learn. It's a process. My whole point is it's a process. It's a process over time to be still and know. It's a process over time to rest. It's a process over time in letting go of our grip. Because the truth is, the enemy's working really hard against us. And so sometimes, if we're to be totally honest, each and every one of us here, if we're to be totally honest, it can be hard to rest in him. It can be hard. It can be really hard flipping work. And again, resting isn't just stopping and being silent. It's not that. Yeah. But just stopping and resting in him, whether we're walking, whether there's some background music, but complete and utter focus on him can be really hard because of life. It can be hard to be intimate with Father God, with Daddy, with Papa, yeah, when we don't have a good picture of him, yeah? But we sang a song that says he's a good, good father and he wants to have a relationship with us, yeah? So we need to clear some things up so that we can be intimate with him. Is that all right? John 14, 6 Jesus says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I just want to fix up some, some theology here. All right? Jesus says, I'm the way. Now, if he says, I'm the way, here's the thing that I th- think many of us miss. For Jesus to be the way, there must be a destination. Yeah? There must be a destination. I am the way. Okay, where to? Who to? What? Yeah? There must be a destination. So... Jesus is the way to the Father. Is that okay? So far, so good. Good, I'm glad. Now, you've got to keep in mind that our salvation, as far as I'm concerned, is a saving of our relationship with him. Yeah, Hell, sin, the stuff that separates us from God is dealt with when he restores our relationship. Yeah, Because that's what we were made for. That's what you were created for. Yeah, And so he sends his son to die a horrific death so he could have a relationship with you. So when we look at John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his own one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. This is Father God's rescue mission, right? You've got to think of it like this. This is, this is Father God's flat out assault on the enemy. It's his relationship rescue mission. Yeah, I so love my creation that I'm going down. I'm sending my son to beat the absolute bejesus out of the enemy because I'm taking back what belongs to me, my children that I want and have created for relationship. This is his plan, right? So many of us have have had so many wrong ideas about why Jesus came. See, for me, for me, it's really clear. It was and is and will always be driven by love, nothing else. Not about his anger and frustration over the things that separate us from him, sin. It's not about that. It's about, man, I love him so much that I'm going to do something about it. And while I'm at it, I'm going to kick six sin's butt. It's always about love first. We, we've got to get this in the right context because it's super important. See, 
in that passage of scripture, in the Greek, the word love is the word, it's the Greek word agape, it's unconditional love. So the unconditional love of a father for his children is what we're reading about. It's a depth of love that, that it's the only depth of love, in fact, that could motivate that. Yeah, A totally unconditional, a love without condition. So I am going to send part of me, my son, who's God, and I'm going to nail him to the cross, that if they'll just say, yes, I believe in that, I'm bringing them back home. I mean, that's a love without condition. Yeah. Let's, let's fly on the face of heresy. It was not my sin that nailed him to the cross. It was his love for me that nailed him to the cross. Yeah? There's a difference. It's a really important difference. It's a really important difference. Because it says Jesus didn't come to judge us or to give us a set of rules to live by. He came to restore relationship with the Father. He came to make the way, a way, home, yeah, for us. And yet so many of us still get it confused and we get lost along the way, me included, and, and, and why do I keep harping on this? Because if we can't get this in our hearts, in our hearts, we'll never experience all that Father desires and all that he's destined for us because our minds will rob us of everything that comes our way. Yeah? We need to get it right in our hearts. It's so important to get this picture the right way up because if we don't have the right picture of Father God and an understanding of him and his love for us, then let me ask you a question. How do we run into his arms if we don't understand his unconditional love without condition love for us how do we run into his arms how, how, how do we sit in his lap yeah um how do we go to him and, and then rest how how do we actually even trust him so that we can find our strength you know i i'm going to make a, a generalization but I think many of us get so confused about what Father God is like and how he sees us because of life, because of the life that we live, the things that we experience, the stuff that we, we go through. And in fact, the way that we, we've lived for years in our everyday life has become so normal to us that it starts to determine how we relate to God. Yeah? And I, I grew up Roman Catholic. Most people here know I grew up Roman Catholic. My mum and dad were Italians. They came over 60 years ago, wherever it was, kept in a detention centre in WA. That's just the way things are, you know. They came over, made a life in West Footscray. They still own the property in West Footscray. I'm hoping one day it'll make my brother and I some money. Mum knows that, so I'm not speaking out of school. I'm not being mean. She knows, she knows. She tells us that she's never going to die because we're waiting for it. I believe her. <laughs> Funnily enough, there is a gardener. <laughs> but with the, having been brought up Roman Catholic, the picture I had of God legitimately was like a policeman that was to put things right, to put things in place, to correct things that were wrong. That, that's the flat out picture that I had. It's a picture I had even with mum and dad, you know? And his father God playing the local copper who, who's fixing the world, wiping out anybody who doesn't follow his rules um, and waiting for me to make a mistake, really. So, bam, we can fix that. That's the picture that I had of fa Father God. That's the picture I had. 
And because, <laughs> this is where we've got to fix some theology, because of the picture that I had growing up as Father God, even in my early days of coming to the Lord, yeah, I, only, I was only able to relate to Jesus, even the Holy Spirit, but I could only relate to Jesus. And that's not a good thing. Because of, see, because of our confusion or our misunderstanding of the Father God's love for us and what salvation is actually for, we fall into this particular trap. Yeah, 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ. Yeah? We know that scripture. Now, I'm, this is what I experienced. And I'm suggesting with all those that I've spoken to, ministered to over the years, this is what people have experienced. Because of their picture of the way God is, this big God in the sky, then we get scriptures like this, for there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ. So when we grow up with a picture of a God that's a little bit angry, yeah, that means whenever I need something or if I do something wrong, then I've got to go to Jesus because Jesus is the only one standing between myself and an angry God. Does it make any sense? Now, Jesus is our mediator. He came and he died on a cross. I am the way to whom? The Father, yeah? But he's not there to stand in between me and an angry God because I'm so full of sin and God can't look at sin or the thing that separates us from him. So instead, he sees me through Jesus' eyes. Anyone heard that theology? Yeah? It's, you know what? ba It's not quite correct. It's not quite accurate. He is a mediator, but not pleading for mercy on our behalf. He did that once and for all, yeah? See... We've got to understand that because of our misunderstanding at the beginning of what salvation is, it's really easy to walk a line that instead of walking a straight line, we now start to walk over this way. So I was saved from sin and hell because I'm a miserable sinner. So I needed Jesus and I'm supposed to be over there. And I need Jesus to stand before me in an angry God because he's so upset with me, he's going to wipe me out. So Jesus, can you help me please? It's not the way it is. The line I'm supposed to take, if I realise that my salvation is to, make, is to bring me back into relationship, not to deal with sin and hell, it's because he wants me, then I know that his work as a mediator has now been done because he's the way to the Father, the truth and the life. And now I'm walking a straight line with Father God. That's why it says, yeah, and you've got to get this into, the, into your spirit because this is Jesus speaking. John 16 verse 26, in that day you will ask in my name. This is Jesus speaking. You will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Jeez, I love that. Because this smashes this theology. It says, no, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. He did his mediation here on the cross through the resurrection. Now we go to the Father direct. We don't, he's not an angry God that needs a Jesus yeah, to speak on our behalf. And for those of us that have walked with the Lord any time, yeah, have had a theology that is really close to that yeah and that's not right because you can't run into the arms of an angry god you can't sit on the lap come on sit right here don't be shy of an angry god i don't want to run into the arms of a angry father dad yeah i don't want to do that 
My kids don't want to do that. If I've just had a moment at home, because I never have moments, but if I just have a moment at home and I'm like, ah! and I go, Samuel, come here. He's like, no. Nathan, come here. Nathan just keeps his headset on like he can't hear. I know he can hear. All right. They don't want to come to me. I've just had a bad, angry moment, yeah? That's not how God is. We've got to come to a place where we realise that either our own picture of God is right and that he's distant and angry, yeah, and uncaring, or that scripture's right and maybe our picture's wrong. We need to see God the right way. We need to see Father God the right way. It's where we gather and gain and get our significance from, from a loving, unconditional, loving without condition God, yeah? It's the only way any of us will be able to step into rest. And it's only when you step into rest where you be still and know and finally discover that he's God because you're trusting in him. And in that trust, he now renews your strength. And now in life, you will soar with wings like eagles. Yeah, But not before that. And it's all a process. John 4, uh, 1, chapter 1. Sorry, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. In the Amplified Version reads this, We have come to know by personal observation and experience, the Amplified Version says, and have believed with deep and consistent faith the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides continually in him. It says we have come to know. Yeah? This should inspire us to a degree, but help us to understand why we have tug-of-war struggles. Yeah? It says we've come to know. The word know is the Greek word gnosko. Yeah? It refers to a mental recognition of a truth. A mental recognition of a truth. It comes by personal observation and experience. Now, I want to suggest this. At some point, our brains, our minds, will come on board with the truth that we are loved. They will come on board. They'll get on board. They'll get with the program. They'll get with the picture. Because it happens through personal observation and experience. As, as our mind sees it in action in us and through us, it then begins to believe. But that p- passage of Scripture says, we have come to know yeah, and have believed. The word believed is the word pistio. In the Greek, it means to entrust or put our faith in. So... Here's what you need to snapshot. It's our hearts that have faith and are able to trust. It's our hearts that have faith and are able to trust, even when our heads are still sceptical. Yeah? You hearing me? Why do we have problems getting into rest? Because we're struggling in our heads. We're struggling in our minds. We're trying to work things through. We're trying to make time. But it's in our hearts that, that we have faith and are able to trust even when our heads are still sceptical, yeah? So many of us struggle to rest in him, struggle to be still and know because of the stuff that's in our heads. Does he really love me? You know, did he, like, would he, does he, re- would he really, does he love me if he knew what I just had done, just said, you know? Um, I, I don't feel very worthy today. Anyone else ever felt worthy? The sense of worthlessness doesn't happen in here. It happens here. 
Because the truth is that you are worthy. Guard your hearts. Not keep out, keep in what Father's placed there. He's placed your worth and value in your heart. Stuff like, why would Father even want to spend time with me? doesn't sound like a question of a heart. It sounds like the question of a mind, yeah? That's why the mind will eventually come on board if we can get truth in our hearts. See, believing is different from knowing. Believing is totally different from knowing. Knowing comes from our heads, but believing comes from our heart. And that's what we've got to fully embrace because it's only when that stuff, when the information, when truth, where God's promises, when they make our home or make their home in our heart and it becomes revelation to us, then we'll begin to live it out like it's true. But before it's here, it's a struggle here. So how can we live it out like it's true? We can't. We have to allow it to soak deep, 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 deep in our hearts. That passage of scripture is so cool because it says we've come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. What has to enter our hearts? What do we have to believe in our hearts? The love that the Father God, that Father God has for us, that, that agape, that unconditional love. Yet it's a process to believe that. And here's my suggestion. Regardless of how mature you may be in your Christian faith, you and I, we all are in that process. Yeah, We're all there. We're all going through it. We're all growing in it. Not one of us, I'm going to suggest, has arrived yet. If you think you have, that's awesome. Please come and see me so you can show me how you did that or that I can show you that you haven't. Um, either way, it's all good. We'll work it out together. Father God, I believe, is working on each of us to move our head knowledge to our heart and for it to be heart knowledge. It's the only place that it exists. So how do we know? <laughs> how do we know if we're actually making progress in the process? Yeah, neither do I. We'll talk about it next week. No. <laughs> I, I actually think, because I was thinking about that, and I, I think it's when we wake up, when we wake up in the morning and we walk around and we know deep inside that we're fully loved and accepted. We know that we're making progress in the process. Yeah? When we know that we are fully loved and accepted, regardless, regardless that you just had a moment, you know, or you were driving along and someone cut you off and it was only because they were possessed by the devil, but then you chose to give him the royal wave, you know. <laughs> it's knowing, knowing that you're totally loved. It's when our insecurities melt away in the face of his love, yeah. There's no fear for what the future holds because we're loved by the most wonderful Father. A wonderful Father that is, has outstanding, incredible plans to bless us and not to harm us. It's his unconditional love. You know, the hard part about his agape love is that he, see, he's able to love us despite our challenges of heart. He's able to love us past our moments when the rest of the world don't want to love us. You know, he's able to love us when, we're, when we are, you are, the person sitting next to you is totally unlovable. Yeah? He still loves us. And if we can get that, his agape, unconditional love into our hearts, that filters through our whole being. Yeah? Completely. It, it, it's, it makes spending time with him easy. 
It makes that whole rest, soaking in his presence, kicking back, just focusing on him. It makes it so easy when, can, when we realise how much he loves us, that we're totally worthy, totally accepted, totally valued. But it's a process, yeah? It just depends what you want to believe. you want to believe your head or do you want to believe your heart? Personally, for me, I, I like the idea of um, the heart. You know, I like the idea of the heart. Why don't we stand? I've got a whole bunch of stuff, but there's just there's no need. Some really good stuff, to be honest. <laughs> there's a quote most people have heard before that says, um, God loves you. God loves you just the way you are but he loves you too much to leave you that way yeah there's some great truth there because it should bring peace to our hearts see father's so good he's saying to us it's going to be okay i love you it's going to be okay i totally love you it's going to be okay i totally love you you know we've got to let that sometimes just sit in our hearts you know i loved some of the words of the songs that we sang today. It's going to be okay. I just totally love you. And then I think about the fact that we are a work in progress. And I, his love is so unconditional that Philippians 1 6 makes sense. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So his love is so without condition that he's going to finish what he started in us the understanding of who we are because of whose we are, which makes it all the more easy to rest in him. Wouldn't it be great just to grab Nike, you know, just do it. You know, that, you know the Nike tick and they have along their advertising, just do it. When it comes to resting in God, we need to put what our heads are saying aside. We need to understand in our hearts just the absolute unconditional love of God for us and just do it and just resting in him and stop trying to grapple it out in our minds because it robs us of all the goodness of God, yeah? Where's, Karina, do you want to play the keys? Please? It always sounds better with music. My singing sounds better with music. Here's a thought. In the States, there's a restaurant called Chick-fil-A. If you've ever been, awesome chicken. Anyway, Chick-fil-A. And um, many, 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 many years ago, they decided that they would be closed on a Sunday. They're a Christian business. They decided that they would close on Sunday, full stop. They're just going to remain closed and be closed on a Sunday. Everyone thought, <laughs> everyone thought that they were insane. Because a fast food restaurant makes a lot of money on a Sunday, on a weekend. Today, that particular company generates more revenue per restaurant than any other fast food chain in America. And it's only open six days. God honours us when we honour Him 
without time. <laughs> and oh, I don't know who it's for. Maybe it's just for me. It's time to rest. It's time to rest. Hear it. It's time to rest in Him. Stop running in life. Start walking with Him. It's time to rest. It's time to trust. Yeah? It's time to see Him for who He is. A Father who loves us unconditionally. God wants us to experience Him. Father wants us to experience Him. Taste and see. You were waiting for that good, good, that sweet, sweet song you prayed this morning, Ross. That sweet, sweet song. Because He is sweet in every, our God is sweet in everything. He is our joy. It's the joy that we sing of. He is our hope. He's the hope that we sing of. He is our love. He's the love that we sing of. He wants us to taste and see that He is good. So then when the time comes to be still and let go of and to trust, the only picture, the only focus that we have is of a good, good Father. Any tainted picture of our upbringing, our own mums and dads, my Catholicism, that gets washed away in the light of His truth, in the light of His glory and grace. Yeah? Well, we just all close our eyes for a moment. Ross, can I have um, the bass and Ryan? Where are you? Even Lockie? I just, I, I don't want, no singing. I just want something. You were playing something today that was just sweet. You can decide where you want to go, Ross. <laughs> that did that to me before. I'm not going to keep us here for the sake of keeping us here. But just for a moment, I want us to picture in this place together, corporately, a place of rest. Yeah? And for you, that might work kneeling. For you, it may work sitting. It might work standing. It might work with your arms lifted up. It may work with your eyes closed. It may work with your eyes open. But just for a moment, I just want you to go to that place of rest and just focus on Him. Yeah, good. <laughs> just while as, as they're playing, think of this. He says, taste and see that He's good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. You know, we have placed so many walls between God and us <laughs> that we end up frustrated and alone. And at times, I think all, all of us, all that we can think of is that God doesn't want to be close to us. 
But the truth, the reality is God doesn't even want to contemplate being separated from you. He's all about relationship. He's all about each and every one of us, His children. He wants to love on you. He wants to call you to life. to walk with you like he walked with Enoch he wants to walk with you like he like he did with Noah just while they play if there's anybody here that has a picture of God that's angry not healthy <laughs> The policeman in the sky waiting, waiting, waiting to come down and make things right. He wants to take that from you today. See, it's, it's not the right picture, but he's like a granddad that's got a nice big beard, that's overweight, that just wants to embrace you and hug you and love you. Jesus made a way to him so that we can sit in that embrace. So that we can sit on his lap. So we can have a face-to-face conversation, a conversari with him. And as that unconditional agape love, that love with no condition, is that truly becomes revelation in our hearts. The tune that they're playing is from the song, There's No Place I'd Rather Be. Yeah? Because when we truly begin to rest in Him, there is no place that you would rather be. When you have an encounter with God where He touches you, there is no place that you'd rather be. There is no lounge room, no car, no restaurant, no meal to sit in front of. There is nothing else that matters than Him. That's how good He is.